began this morning by reading the crucifixion of Jesus. And truly, the crucifixion of Jesus is the key event in our redemption. We talked about it last week, how in the crucifixion we see how evil our world has become. In fact, we see how evil we have become. That it is our sin and the sin of the world that nailed Christ to the cross. As we learn from the Apostle Paul, that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he became sin for our sake. And it's the cross that tells us how much God loves us. It is the cross that tells us that even when we ran from him, that he came back for us. Truly, the crucifixion of Jesus is the key event in our redemption. However, it is the resurrection that is the key event in our conversion. It is the resurrection that changes our lives. It is the resurrection of Jesus that causes us to turn. I think almost everyone in this room probably at one time or another has climbed a mountain. Isn't that a great experience? You know what one of the best parts of climbing a mountain is? It's right before you start. For one thing, you still feel good, right? But you're standing there at the foot of the mountain, and you're looking up at this peak. And is there anything more beautiful than a snow-capped peak outlined against a deep blue morning sky? And as you're standing there looking at that, it's almost as if the mountain is calling to you, come on, come on, come on and climb up. And so you head out. And as you begin climbing the mountain, it doesn't take long before that climb begins to change. No longer are you climbing to get to the peak, for the peak kind of disappears. Because as you get closer to the mountain and on the mountain, you really can't see it. And so you begin climbing looking at that next ridge ahead of you that you've got to get up and over. Or you begin climbing looking at that next bend in the trail, knowing that you've got to get to that point and then turn and keep going. And as it becomes steeper and steeper, you begin just to look at the next step you've got to take, and then the step after that, and the step after that. And you can get to a point where you're no longer climbing a glorious mountain. You're just picking your feet up and putting one foot in front of the other. Until you stop and turn. And you look where you've come. And you look out over the valley this time. And you see the beauty, once again, of God's creation. And you realize what all the struggle and all the toil is about. And while you may have been asking yourself, is it really worth this? Just simply stopping and turning and looking reassures you and tells you, yes, it is worth it. That's what conversion is. It's turning. It's turning away from the drudgery that we live sometimes in our daily lives. It's turning away from the things that have driven us up to this point in our lives. It's turning away from the things we have chosen to be our guide and the things that shape our lives and turning to something else, turning and finding a new passion, turning and finding a new desire, 
turning and finding something, someone else to follow. Turning and seeing that life is truly worthwhile and that the struggle and the agony certainly is beneficial. Turning and finding there is a reason for this all. When John wrote his gospel, he told the story of the resurrection through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. But he also told them, or told the story, through the eyes of turning. You know, John wrote his gospel after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written theirs. And John had probably read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of the gospel. So when he wrote his gospel, he didn't want to say just the things they had said because they had already said those things. But he wanted to say them a little differently. He wanted us to see the true meaning of the events that were occurring. So for the next few minutes, I want you to join me as we look at the way John tells this story through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. If you'd like to open your Bibles to John chapter 20, we're not going to do a lot of reading, but we're going to sort of paraphrase as we go, but you might want to follow along. You can check up on me and see if I'm telling it right. John tells us that that day of resurrection began while it was still dark. Now, I've already warned you, John's just not talking about the actual events. He's talking about the meaning. And when he tells us the day of resurrection began while it was still dark, he's not just saying that the sky was dark. No, he's saying that life was dark. It was certainly dark for Mary Magdalene. She had loved Jesus, as had Peter and James and John and all of his disciples. And yet they were living with the guilt that at Jesus' crucial moment in his life, they had turned away from him, they had left him, and they had let him die alone. Oh, it was dark when she headed for that tomb. As she made her way to the tomb, she was thinking, now, how am I going to get into this tomb? For we already know in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that the burial of Jesus had been rather hasty. They didn't have much time, and they had not been able to finish completing the preparations for his body to lie there. And so as she was going, she was no doubt thinking in her mind, what am I going to do? How am I going to get that stone that's been rolled in front of that cave out because it's too big for me? But when she gets there, she discovers that the stone's already been removed, that the grave had been reopened. Shocking discovery. You can imagine that yourself, going to visit the grave and finding that it had been opened. So she immediately ran back to town to tell Peter and John Because she knew they needed to know. And when she found them, she told them what she assumed was going on. And what she said was this. They, whoever they was, she didn't know who they were. Someone has gone and opened up Jesus' grave and they've taken his body away. And we don't know what they're doing with it. And you can imagine that her imagination was going wild. Who would do this? And why would they want the body of Jesus 
What possible thing would they have for wanting that? What, what would they do with it? Well, immediately, Peter and John start running out to the, to the cemetery. They want to see for themselves, because after all, Mary is hysterical. Did she really see what she thinks? Maybe she went to the wrong place. Maybe she looked at the wrong grave. So they're running out there. Well, it's obviously that John is telling the story because he sort of brags a little bit that he outran Peter. He gets there first, and sure enough, it is the tomb of Jesus. And sure enough, it's open. So John stops. You can imagine why. What's going on? He stops and he bends over to look in. Well, Peter now gets there. Well, Peter's being Peter. He just runs right in, doesn't he? And he looks around and he sees that indeed the body is gone. And he looks and sees that the cloths that had been wrapped around the body were now taken and laid aside. And then they believe. Now, not that they believe he's been resurrected. The Bible tells us that. John tells us that. They still don't get that part. They believe Mary. They believe Mary, what she's saying, that, yeah, the body is gone. The way John tells the story, he admits that at this point, he and his friend Peter hadn't turned. They were not yet converted. But he also makes the point in saying that, that sometimes we first have to be convinced how terrible things really are before we're ready to turn ourselves. That you have to come to grips with the fact that something is terribly wrong before you're willing to turn away from that and turn toward what is right. So Peter and John leave, still puzzled. What's going on? Leaving Mary behind there at the tomb. All this time, Mary had been standing outside the tomb crying. But when Peter and John left, she decided to go in and see for herself. But when she went in, she didn't just find clothes that were lying there. She didn't just find an empty tomb. The tomb was no longer empty. There were two angels in there. And they asked her, Mary, why are you crying? And she tells them the same thing she told Peter and John. Someone has taken the body of my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. I don't know what they're doing with it. And then, well, let's start reading. John chapter 20, verse 14. And when she had said this, she turned. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know who he was. Now, I've warned you twice already. John's not just into giving us facts. He's giving us meaning and insight as well. And there in that phrase, I see myself. Because I know that my Jesus is faithful to me. And I know that at times when I'm looking for him, he is right there. And so many times, I turn to him and can't see him. He's there standing before me. And you. And yet, like Mary, we can't see him. People say, well, why couldn't Mary see him? Well, some people say, well, it's because she's crying so much. You know, when you're crying a lot, you're not really looking. She thinks he's the gardener. 
She thinks he is the one who takes care of the cemetery. She's just not expecting Jesus to be there. Ooh, sometimes that's me too. Sometimes I'm not expecting him to show up either. When he's there, he wants to be there for us. Sometimes I'm Mary, standing there talking to Jesus and not really believing in my heart that he's there. So she turns, and she does not see him, although she sees a person. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she says, sir, if you're the one that took him away, tell me where you put him. And I'll go and I'll get him. And then Jesus says, Mary. John chapter 10. Jesus told his disciples, I'm the shepherd. And I have sheep. And when the sheep hear my voice, they respond. And when she heard him say her name. Look at the very next words. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned. Thought she was already looking at him. Oh, her eyes were. But now her heart was too. Now, we don't get to hear the voice of Jesus with our ears, at least not normally. But almost every one of us in this room can testify to the fact that there have been those times in our lives when we've called out to Jesus, and maybe not with our ears, but with our soul, we heard him say, Tommy, Brian, Dot, Bob, and we, his sheep, knew that he is no longer dead. He is alive, that Jesus Christ is a living Savior who has conquered death, who has returned to be with us. And at that moment, may we in our own hearts turn, convert, change who we've been, and come to Him so that He might give us our lives. This event changed everything in Mary's life. From this time on, she knew for a fact that death was no longer the end. Now, I don't know how old Mary Magdalene was at this time, but at that time especially, people didn't live a long time, and I know that being an adult, she had already said goodbye to several people in her life. And at that point, she maybe had hoped that death wasn't the end. But as far as she knew, that was it. That when she said goodbye to those who loved her and she had loved, then that was it. But now she was standing there looking at a man that she had seen die. She had seen his dead body put into a grave. And yet there he stood before her. And everything changed. She was free from that prison of thinking that death is the end. 
Last night, there's a group of us gathered in this room to remember some of those who have gone before us. We talked about and told stories about and laughed and shed some tears of people, great people, who have been in this room and have worshipped with this church and have given so much to this church. And it was a wonderful time. And what made it wonderful is that we know someday we're going to see those folks again. We miss them right now, but we'll see them again. And I don't have to tell you who are members here at Johnson Street what a tender time this is in the heart of this church right now with the passing of one that we loved as much as Shirley. But it is the resurrection of Jesus that changes us from being hopeless to knowing that while we may live the rest of our lives thinking of her and missing her, that one day we will see her again. It changes everything because we have turned. It changes how we live and what we do. It tells us that, like Mary, she was finally convinced that Jesus' way was the way. Jesus had gone about telling her, don't hate people. Now, I don't know if you know the rest of the story about Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of legend and facts sort of all jumbled up together. But the idea that we have is Mary Magdalene had not led a very good life. And Mary Magdalene, up until the time that she met Jesus, she was following a different path in life. And Jesus called her to a life of purity. Jesus called her to a life of love. Jesus called her to a life of grace and mercy and encouragement toward others. And maybe she was still juggling. Is, will that really work in this old hard-nosed world? Did Jesus really, was he just too Pollyanna? You know, did, did he just think, oh, everything's wonderful and everything's good, and look where that got him? No, Jesus taught that we really can risk loving others and caring for them and serving them and forgiving them and being merciful to them. His resurrection proved that that is the way of life. And not the way that we see all around us of competition and hate and anger. The resurrection of Jesus also convinced Mary that it was going to be okay between her and Jesus. Have you ever lost a friend or loved one and thought back and remembered that the last words you said to that person was something out of anger? or something that was tacky, or something that was critical. I'm guilty of that. I could name names, not a long list, but a few that I wish I could just go back. And if I had known that was going to be the last time I'd have seen that person, I'd have told them I loved them. I would have said something nice. Do you know what Mary did before Jesus died? She, like all the rest, had run away. No one stood with him. Yeah, I know, she and some of the women, they finally showed up at the crucifixion and stood off at a distance to watch and see what was happening. But she did not stand with Jesus. No one stood with Jesus. And at that moment, when he called her name, and she turned toward him, you can't imagine the relief that she felt. He'll take me back. I haven't messed it up. It's not all over. He still wants me. 
and he still loves me. And the resurrection of Jesus is the same for us. For you and I have both hurt him. You and I have both abandoned him. You and I have turned our backs on him. But the resurrection and the living Jesus is proof he'll still take you. He still wants you. And all you have to do is turn. Let's stand and sing.